Mm. I think the one thing that you're particularly unique for is how much you've traveled and how many people you've kind of shared, you know, the spiritual practice with, you know, um, and I, I don't think anyone kind of rivals you in terms of the amount of you've traveled. And, and even from the early days, you're constantly traveling and sharing practice and, and yoga with people. Um, I don't know where to start with questioning you about that, but I wanted to, you know, to start touching upon that a little bit and about how the music comes into that as well. Um, do you, do you want to say anything about the, the can you can anything come to mind about the travel that you've done all the travel you've done or, you know it, well i i think you know i i started traveling when i was 19 i mm. went around the world i just had this impulse to travel around the world mm. through meeting friends who'd been to europe and north africa and uh once i did that which was uh, you know over a year period um it it just it got me into the whole idea of wanting to continue but uh so later once i i i learned the yoga and i was playing music um that became a tool for me to travel and um i got you know it was impressed upon me uh, through cliff and uh through others that you should just teach by invitation and cliff invited me to gonga invited me to uh los angeles um and then uh, shortly after, Cliff invited me to India to help him teach in Goa. He was teaching in a Christian ashram in Bagator Beach. When was that? And uh, which, what's that? What, uh, what year was that? What, well, he started in 1979. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but by the, I got there in 82, 83, something like that, uh, by when I had enough money to get there. And, um, and I would go every year and teach with him in the winter. And he had uh, 50, 60 students every morning from all over the world. And through those classes, I started getting invitations all over the world to places in Europe. And that's how I, you know, followed my dream of traveling. And then, mm. of course, when I'd get to those places, I'd meet musicians and play with them and hang out with different players. And uh, a lot of them would be would come to the classes. So uh, it was just kind of... Uh, Great, great timing and uh, a great time for me. I was very lucky, but I still follow that principle and I highly recommend it to every teacher just to teach by invitation. And then you know that it's coming from outside of yourself, something from the, maybe from the spirit world. So that's mm. how I helped, you know, introduce these practices in a lot of countries. Mm, you did. And I mean, I think probably you were the, do you think you're the first Ashtanga teacher in the UK? Uh, I was. It's yeah. possible. Yeah. <laughs> when was that? 1987, did you say? No, 83 I started. 83, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, I was uh, before, Der before Derek Ireland learned the practices. He was doing yoga, but he hadn't learned Ashtanga yoga yet. But uh, yeah, I was the first teach first Ashtanga teacher in a lot of places, fortunately. I think uh, you were. It was just good, <laughs> good timing, good luck, and... Uh, and and people who wanted me to introduce it into their communities long before there were Ashtanga schools or yoga schools. There was a few yoga places, but in England and other places, but it wasn't a, a cultural phenomenon that it became. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we move on to the music part, I just wanted to ask you, is there anything that sticks, any particular time um, that, that sticks out in your mind in terms of the you know, a place you've taught or a unique experience or a bizarre happening around you know a, a class you were invited to teach 
Um, <laughs> well, I'd have to think about that. There was a lot of. Uh, I'm sure there's been many unique, <laughs> yeah, unique yeah. experiences. Yeah, uh, yeah I, you know, I was, I was just. Uh, it was just a great luck and great, great opportunity to, to meet interested people all over the world that wanted to try these practices and. Mm. You know, the, okay, one thing that comes to mind just a little bit related to what you're saying is that I recognize that it only took one person to open a door in, for yoga in a country. You know, one person could be the impetus to right. draw, mm. just draw interest to the, mm. it wasn't me. I mean, it was the person that it, it would invite me or mm. uh, other people that would invite me to their countries and who might have been dancers or you know, involved in martial arts or just interested in the practices. And they would be the ones that would really start a school or uh, eventually do teacher training programs, uh, things like that. So that was, uh, you know, that was, it, it, it's been interesting just to see all the doorways in different countries of, of individuals that took these practices and then made it a lifestyle and, opened it up for other people to learn and great teachers, you know, everywhere that, that appeared, you know, and developed their own techniques. Yeah. I mean, there's many ways to go from here because Danny's got loads and loads of stories about teaching uh, so many different people, but I mean, once to move on to one particular uh, student of yours, which was Sting um, and also an inspiration, I think, or at least a, a way that you got into developing your musicianship um do you, do you want to um mention that we're going to listen a, briefly now to the song i think that that sparked it all off which is uh i think freedom fighters is that right yeah it's it's it, you know i just thinking about how one song can impact a world i mean you know you know you've heard songs on the radio that are world renowned that change people's perception or um you know gave incredible information or um, excitement and stimulation to people. But, you know, this song isn't known uh, by people all over the world, but I think it changed the world because I was playing, I wrote Freedom Fighters in Goa in my first season there. We were meeting all these Afghani freedom fighters who had been fighting the Russians. And uh, um so I came up with this song and uh, and I was playing it in a Greek restaurant in London a few months later. And this musician guy, this guy, I didn't know he was a musician. He, this guy was having dinner and he came up to me after my set. He said, hey, I play music and I liked that song you were playing. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to come over to his house and record it. And I said, sure. And it was this... Uh, lovely guy named Dominic Miller, who is one of the most amazing, brilliant composers now in the world. He has uh, probably eight or nine albums out himself. But at the time, he was like 21 or 22, and he was just hmm. playing in a, a bar up the street. And uh, I went over to his house and realized what an incredible player he was. And we started working on this recording. And... Um, over the years, you know, I would see him every year when I was in England and uh, and we would do different recordings and he, I invited him to Egypt and he helped me record there. Somebody gave me a little money and I had uh, 
enough to get a recording studio together in Cairo and Dominic came for a month on two two week trips and we I started teaching him yoga and uh we became really good friends. He'd already seen me do yoga. I did a demonstration for him and his wife at his house in nineteen eighty three. And um and then I would see him over the years. We started recording at Cat Stevens studio in London through his brother, Cat Stevens brother. And uh and I came through in nineteen ninety and he said, Hey man, I got a new gig. I I said, Who with who? He goes, I'm playing with Sting. And and he was in Sting's band. Sting recognized what a genius he is and what an, uh, an amazing player. And um, he'd hired him. And Dominic's been with him ever since. It's like 32 years now. And so Dominic introduced me to Sting a short while later. Uh, you know, we discussed whether Sting would be interested in yoga. And he told Sting about me. And at the time, Sting had said in an interview or later in an interview that he thought yoga was for little old ladies in leotards. And so I gave Dom, Dominic told me that. And so I, I gave Dominic some photos of me doing the third series. I said, well, show him these. Maybe he'll get a different impression. And so Dominic brought him the pictures the next day because he was rehearsing with him every day. And uh, after that, I met Sting a few weeks later. Actually, the first time Dominic told me him about me. It was June, and uh, Sting told him, "Well, I'm kind of interested. Tell him I might be have some time in January. You know, like seven months later <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. or eight months later." So I that's when I gave him the pictures because I realized he didn't really nobody knew about our stronger yoga or the, the depth of the practices. So, and then after Sting saw the pra the pictures the following day, he wanted to meet me, and so we arranged a meeting a short while later, and I started teaching him. He liked it right from the beginning. And, uh, you know, I recognized the importance of teaching him because he was a world figure and I knew if he learned it and got into it, it, it could reach a lot of people, which is what happened. He mm. also told Paul Simon about it. He introduced me to Paul Simon. Madonna came to uh, a class I was doing with Sting in New York a couple of years later and um, she wanted to learn. And uh, so that was a doorway for her and uh, Sting introduced me to John McEnroe, ah. uh, and I started teaching teaching him. And um, uh, I started teaching Sting's band. He, I went on a tour with him and taught everybody in the band. And uh, I taught Paul Simon and and his wife Edie Brickell, who's also this lovely lady and amazing singer. And um, I taught Paul's band and. Uh, Chris Boti, who played with Paul Simon at the time, now tours the world in his own capacity. And through other connections, I, I met the Grateful Dead and taught Bob Weir and Mickey Hart and Donna Caron. I met her, DKNY in uh, Bali and started teaching her. And, uh, you know, just one thing led to another. I met uh, Yusuf Islam, Kat Stevens through his yeah. brother and they knew I taught yoga and he wanted to, he'd already practiced yoga and he wanted, he was having some back issues. So uh, I connected with him to teach him a little bit and introduce him to some aspects of the form and um, many other players, Lyle Lovett, all kinds of musicians and filmmakers and uh, Trudy Styler, of course, Sting's wife. He wanted her to learn with him. So I, I taught her, uh, the second day that I worked with Sting, she started practicing as well. And um, 
John McEnroe's wife, who's also uh, a, a musician and, and singer. And uh, um, so, you know, it, it's one thing leads to another. Yeah, yeah. So, and also, I mean, you've, but, you've famously taught Marceau Marceau, is that right? Yes, through yeah. through Baptiste, his, his yeah, son. We we met Baptiste, met Baptiste in yeah. Hawaii yeah. in the or in the eighty eighty four or eighty when I was visiting David on my way back from India, and uh, a few months later, Baptiste invited me to his home in Paris, or outside of Paris, and I met Marcel, and then Marcel had a had a an issue. He had a surgery. Um, suddenly in Russia and they brought him back to France and uh, Batiste invited me again to meet him and I taught him some uh, the breath and some of the initial movements to help him slowly recover from his surgery so and he was uh, amazing to hang out with as well so uh, it was uh, you know all, all unique experiences meeting these world renowned actors and uh, performers and musicians and sports figures and dancers. And, how was yeah. it teaching these kind of people? Because obviously they, you know, have a certain amount of ego that that gets them to where they are in the first place. Did you find it easy to be the teacher for them, or, or you know, I mean, you don't usually like being told, or they're not used to being told what to do. Um, did you find it was challenging, or, or were they were they very nice and easy to teach? No, they were they were super nice. Right, right. Everybody I met, was, okay. I, they were really respectful because they understood that this was something they didn't have experience with, and they were interested. And uh, usually, I came recommended, so they were open to it. And um, you know, Sting was it was yeah, sure they have a certain amount of ego to their persona, you know, in the public, but in private. They're just like you or me and, and very, but, you know, very bright and very uh, present. And, uh, um, you know, it was, it, I, I never, I was challenged to a certain degree, but uh, I felt comfortable because I knew I had something to offer them that they would enjoy and that they would benefit from. Sure, so, Madonna um, didn't give you any hassle? No, she was great. She was really, really nice and uh, very respectful. Huh. Uh, very, very funny and down to right. earth, you know, right. they were all, you know, they all started on the bottom and they, and they don't forget mm, that, mm, mm. you know, right. they all came mm. from the streets, mm. you know, and, uh, sure they got very successful, very young, but, you know, Sting, for example, is, was known at that time as the nicest person in the entertainment business. And he was really nice. Mm. And, uh, and all the people he introduced me to were very respectful. You know, they have all the team around him. I ended up teaching his roadies and his cook and his secretaries and, you know, all the people involved with him. And uh, they were all, you know, if somebody wasn't nice and wasn't cool, they wouldn't be working with him for very long. So now we're just going to listen to that song that kicks it all off, Freedom Fighters. Okay. Great. So oh. 
let's let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, Love Will Rescue You. So uh, the next song that we're going to talk about of Danny's is uh, Love Will Rescue You, which has a beautiful message around it, actually. Um, Danny, would you like to explain the, uh, the motif and, and the inspiration for that song? Well, I was invited by my friend Matthew Kelly and his, his wife, um, Mary, to visit this project in Thailand that they supported called Children of the Forest. Mm. Uh, they'd been telling me about it for a number of years, but they wanted me to come see the place and teach yoga to, to this group of kids and play music and uh, for them as well. So um, I, uh, I went and it's this beautiful village, uh, bamboo village, uh, bamboo structures in a forest in Songkleberry, uh, which is Northwest Thailand on the bur- border, on the Burmese border, where over 2 million people have crossed into Thailand from Burma, displaced refugees. And um, basically the guy who created Children of the Forest was a, Daniel Hobson from England, who was on vacation in Songkleberry, and he saw all these destitute kids, uh, impoverished, uh, broken families, um, and he decided he had to do something. Even though he was on vacation, he decided he was going to start a school. So he started teaching a group of kids, and then he put an ad in the paper in Bangkok saying he needed support, or he was looking for people who would like to support this project and Matthew and Mary Kelly happened to be living in Thailand and had just become um, the creators of a philanthropic organization. They were looking for a project to support. So they saw this ad, went out to meet Daniel and realized what, what was going on in this area with so many refugees, stateless, homeless, like I said, impoverished, um, broken families, uh, very difficult situations. And so they acquired a property and started building these structures and started picking up kids to, and move them into this, this property and taking care of them. And it's a Montessori school. They feed 150, uh, they have 150 kids that live there or probably more by now. Um, some are escaped from slave labor or escaped from sex trafficking or brought by police or, you know, or just uh, impoverished, broken family. And um, they would, the families would bring the kids because they couldn't take care of them. And gradually they just developed this uh, beautiful place where these kids live there and 250, 300 kids come in every day for lunch in school. It's a Montessori school. They're learning English. Uh, They're learning, you know, to read and write Thai. And also they speak their own languages. They're, most of them are Mon and Karen tribal kids. And um, so I went there and we, uh, I taught yoga to the kids and we played music. Matthew Kelly used to play with the Grateful Dead and with Bob Weir. He's a great musician. And we just, uh, you know, had fun with the kids. And, um, and then we realized, uh, or I, I suggested to him that we make a documentary about the project and the situation. And he got invited to the United Nations to speak about Children of the Forest. And he'd heard, I'd written this song, Love Will Rescue You, about the situation and, and the results of, uh, that they were seeing of just taking care of all these kids and educating them and, you know, treating them with love and respect. A small group of adults 
And really the older kids take care of the younger kids. Mm. And as new kids come in, the older kids take care of the, the younger kids. It's, it's this phenomenal yeah. thing that feeds itself. Mm. And, and the documentary uh, is beautiful. So, I wrote the, so we're going to put the, yeah, wrote, the, uh, the, the link to the documentary Danny shared with me. And it's a wonderful documentary. So we'll put that in the links below. So look at those. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah so we, you know, I wrote this song and then Matthew mm. suggested we do, rather than do a documentary, we do a, a music video. Mm. And so that's what it became because he, he was going to do a presentation at the United Nations on uh, endangered children worldwide. So I got this animator friend from Brazil Seu Delia, who used to be animation director for Walt Disney and Steven Spielberg fr- uh, films, feature films, and he did the animation. And uh, another cinematographer, um, Andre Jewell from New Zealand, came and to, uh, lived in Thailand and came and helped do some of the filming. Kathy Pearson from Ireland was involved, a film director, and uh, that turned into this uh, animated film, Love Will Rescue You. Right. And uh, as I said, you'll see the link below. And now we're going to just listen to a little bit of that song as well. Okay, thank you. Okay, and finally, we're going to move on to the last song today of Danny's, and that's uh, a song for a revolution. So, I mean, just want to walk us through your processes to uh, the creation of that song a little bit? Yeah, I, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote that song. I was in Cairo in 1989. Uh, I'd been recording with Dominic the year before, and I came back to, to visit. And and then we started seeing all these uh, teletype uh messages coming through about the democracy uh, riots and uh, movement in Tiananmen Square in uh, Beijing. And uh, I just started coming up with this idea for the song. And uh, I was kind of singing it to myself on the street one day. And uh, this, this amazing thing happened. I was standing on the street and this goat ran out of somebody's house and, and ran right up beside me. And the goat had been shaved. And it was obvious these people were about to sacrifice right. this goat mm-hmm. and eat it mm-hmm. and cook it yeah. up. But the goat mm-hmm. had escaped. And uh, <laughs> and he ran right beside me. And I could see the people uh, looking for him, uh, you know, uh, in the yeah. building. <laughs> and the goat looked up at me. And, uh, and I looked down at the goat. And I said, run, man. 
(laughs) And the goat got the message and he turned and ran away into the streets and uh, escaped. And then I went back to my hotel and I finished the song. And then a a couple of months later, I was in London and uh, I recorded it with Dominic Miller. And then later, Edie Burkell added vocals and uh, Butch Thomas, who I taught yoga to, he played saxophone with Sting added a part and um and we came up with i came up with this recording with their help so uh it's really about uh you know my encounter with that kid that goat (laughs) it's about you can't keep the kids down oh right that okay right the kids is the kids means actually the goat oh that's funny eh? you guys have thought right but it was yeah 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 it was a metaphor for the yeah of course uh, yeah 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 in china yeah that's amazing, yeah. actually. Yeah, because I was listening to those things. Well, yeah. I need I need help in t- deciphering these, so we're going to have to talk about it a bit further. But anyway, here is a short expert excerpt from that song, and you can check out the whole album, and we'll have the links below. Thank you. Okay. And finally, I suppose I wanted to ask you in listening a lot more to, to your music generally, really, after, after listening to those specific songs, what, you know, what influences, musical influences um, have uh, been particularly strong on, on you over these years? Because it was wonderful music and I totally recommend everyone to have a little listen to a bunch of albums that Danny's done. Oh, thank you. You're very kind. Um, you know, I, was, I grew up in the 70s, uh, uh, late 60s, and I was influenced right from the beginning from Bob Dylan and Paul Simon and James Taylor, Taj Mahal, Stevie Wonder, the Beatles, um, blues artists and, uh, you know, every Cat Stevens. And, you know, I was lucky enough to meet these people, Paul Simon, Mm. Paul Simon and Edie, Paul Simon sings on one of my songs called now that the shamans have planes with Edie. And, uh, you know, I met Cat Stevens, of course, and they'd been my, my mentors as a child learning music in the mid sixties. And as I was picking up those songs and, uh, um, you know, I, I met James Taylor later also at Sting's house one day and all these other amazing musicians. Of course, uh, I, I didn't mention, I taught Graham Nash also in, in Kauai and, uh, you know, his, his music and Crosby, Stills and Nash were, and young were influences. So, uh, you know, all these artists and, um, when I was growing up had very powerful impact on me. Um, Mm. 
Mm. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, they inspired me to write songs and, and learn their songs. And mm. my, my teacher that I mentioned to you earlier, uh, helped me learn, uh, taught me several of the songs by Bob Dylan and Paul Simon. So, um, you know, I learned the techniques through their, their work and James Taylor as well. And so all those people had an influence on me. And you just had such an incredible life. And I, you know, I mean, we've had a couple of conversations already and I just kind of keep wanting to have more conversations with you to learn, you know, more of these stories really, right? This is just, you know, just awe-inspiring, the kind of, the kind of different uh, world views that you've had over the years. Um, well, you know, just to wrap off the interview, I suppose, is there anything else that you want to do in life now? I mean, you're, I, I suppose, probably 60 or over. I mean, what are your aspirations for the future? <laughs> what what, what, um, what, what haven't you done yet? You know, what, what was still on the agenda to tick off? Uh, well, I still uh, want to keep playing music and traveling mm. and mm. meeting people. And uh, I teach a little less now. Um, I'm not so extreme in, in moving around, but... Uh, I still follow invitations. Um, there's places I haven't explored. I want to go to Colombia at some point soon. I know it's an amazing country. Uh, I want to go back to Brazil. Um, um, you know, I, I, I've been very lucky. I've been able to live in nature and uh, receive the benefits of living in nature. And when I'm not traveling, and uh, I'm going to continue doing what I do. I love I love teaching, and uh, mm. I'm. It's a privilege to be able to travel. It's a privilege to be able to teach yoga and receive these invitations. So um, I will continue, I hope. Uh, I want to record some more and uh, write some more songs and explore some more music. Um, uh, I'm just, I like to work on my own practices and I need time for that and mm. time away from traveling because traveling, as you know, can take it out of you it's good for you young people uh, <laughs> i still feel pretty young by the way i wanted to mention one thing i was thinking of yeah uh, you made me think about uh you know how everybody there's this meme in ashtanga yoga that it's only for adolescents uh -huh. right right yeah it's, it's for yeah. kids mm. but uh, I, I i think i can dispute that i'm still practicing yoga ashtanga yoga so oh, right uh, maybe right. maybe maybe what it means is that if you keep doing yoga, you'll remain an adolescent your whole life. <laughs> for good so, and for bad. Uh, and you mentioned, you mentioned you're still practicing advanced series as well. I do That's part of your practice, right? Of, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't get so extreme in some of the more deeper stretches, but, uh, you know, I've done that. Uh, I, but I do do elements of third and fourth series still in my practice. Wow. And second also. Yeah. There's no easy so, way to wrap yeah, up an, I'm an interview with you. I mean, I could carry on over and over with this. But, you know, just... Well, I really I appreciate Sorry, you inviting yeah. me. It's great. Oh, Thank you so much. One day we're going we're gonna to meet in person. We almost did in Thailand recently, but I think uh, we just we just missed each other. Um, Danny, right. just to wrap up, I often ask a couple of questions, and I you know, different questions in mind. And, uh, what, do you have one place that sticks out as your favorite place that you visited? I know it's surely hard to pick one particular place, but... Oh, I like Southeast Asia, India, right. of course, Laos, uh, right. Thailand. I love Brazil. Uh, I, I like so many places uh, all over the world. Um, Tanzania, South Africa. 
right. um, Czech Republic, uh, Portugal, you know, there's every country has a unique culture and beautiful people and phenomenal natural environments. Um, you know, I go, I do a retreat in Thailand every year at this phenomenal yeah, place the jungle. on a mm. remote lake in, mm, mm. Uh, in Southern Thailand, uh, at the end of January, I've been doing that for about 15 years. I like to do retreats in places that blow people's minds because of the power of nature. So mm. that's what I try to do. You know, I find, I try to pick places like in Crete also is one of the mm, mm. phenomenal places I teach at yoga rocks. Uh, when it's, when the place strikes me and, uh, because of the, the beauty and the, the power of nature, uh, then I usually return. And that's why I love to draw people to the place in Thailand, the place in Crete. Yeah, so, um, yeah. that's one place, place in, in the world. Is, is where Derek originally taught it. It's called the practice place originally. Yeah, and, that's um, right. And I, I look there and, and I practice there. Yes, exactly. Right. So it's a beautiful and, place and you can catch Danny there this, this coming year, I believe. Um, and yeah. a number of other destinations in Europe, which, uh, I think, you know, I, I assume you put them on your website. Is that right? If we link that website below, I put them up a few where... months before I, okay. They can see I where you're at. Them, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you can check and, out. Uh, and I, by the way, I like what your, your approach to yoga and your open mindedness and what you write. I think you have a great perspective and, uh, you've absorbed obviously a lot from your teachers and, and your own practice. Yeah, so I, I appreciate what you're uh, trying to get across to people. I think it's, it's Thanks. great. So thank you well that means a, a lot coming from you thank you danny and um thanks for for spending the time with us to share what is an incredible journey and i'm you know i hope i can kind of pigeonhole you again or i don't know how to better say to kind of get you again at some point so we can have another chat because uh, i think there's more to say but um on behalf of everyone thank you so much for spending the time with us today thank you so much adam i'll look forward to chatting with you again I hope uh, meeting so you in person one day Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.